Browns of noted American slacker Steve Malcomus and his jicks means it's time for another Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio. Hello, I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. And my guest on this weekly fantasy episode of the podcast is Rotographs contributor Michael Barr. In this episode, after conducting our weekly Hector Santiago status update, Barr and I discuss a couple of other closing situations of interest to America's fantasy owners. We look at a couple of injured players in Lance Berkman and Chris Young, discuss the nature of their injury, and which players, if any, will benefit from their respective absences. Barr examines what fantasy owners might be able to expect from Justin Morneau going forward. And in a bit of a discussion about fantasy game theory, I admit to Barr that I've made a habit recently of losing my auto-new auctions and ask what alternatives, besides physically disabling my fellow owners, I might have for winning those same auctions. It's Michael Barr. It's the Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio, and it begins right now. Um, so, um, we're actually starting. This is a real thing that's already happening. Okay, my blood pressure is rising. Good. Well, I, well, I do want to get one thing out of the way, Michael Barr of Rotographs and of um, what, Bellingham, Washington, is that right? Um, yes, indeed. Okay. I want to get one thing out of the way, uh, which is becoming sl- uh, uh, slowly but surely, or maybe quickly but surely, becoming a, a fixture on the Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio, uh, which is the Hector Santiago status update, because there was at a yes. certain point in my life not that long ago when I was unaware entirely of his existence, and now he's the Chicago White Sox closer, or at least as of last Friday he was. I, I don't know if that's still the case, though. Uh, yeah, it, it, it seems that he is, uh, even though you know his his FIP is is almost as high as his K per nine, uh, which objectively well, is really a, a very bad thing. Yeah, I guess unless your K per nine were, you know, like two point five, right, or one. Uh, yeah. But in that case, it's unlikely that your FIP would be that low. <laughs> there's a, I don't know the math behind it, but it seems really unlikely. There's in, a meeting. In both there, cases. Yeah, there is a meeting point. Well, what's what's sort of strange about Hector Santiago is that um, I, I've taken an opportunity at least once now to look at his Fangraphs player page. Um, at certain points in the minors, he had very high strikeout rates. Last year, though, and it's possible that he was utilized frequently as a starter at some point along the way, but last year his strikeout rates were maybe seven or eight per nine at some yeah. level in the minors. Yeah, at AA he was used primarily as a as a starter, uh, and so you'd expect his strikeouts to be a little bit lower. Um, further down the minors he had a strikeout rate that was that was over 10, uh, where he was used primarily, I'm pretty sure, as a reliever. Um but yeah, uh, this year is, he's been striking out a lot of people, but just having a difficult time getting people out. Of course, you know he's only thrown I think four innings, uh, so it's really difficult to to read much into that. But the thing about Santiago that bugs me uh, is that <laughs> it has little to do with him. Is more to try to figure out like what Ventura is thinking, and since we really don't have any kind of a idea what kind of a manager he is, since he's never managed, to my knowledge. Uh, you know, it's hard to know if he's going to be the kind of guy with a with an itchy trigger finger and go to one of the other guys, or if he's actually doing this 
really intelligently thinking, hey, I've got Addison Reed and Matt Thornton that can get me out of really sticky situations, and then I can just throw this guy out there that, you know, pretty much anybody can close, so I'll just put him out there and see what happens. And maybe that's what's happening. Right, and as you mentioned, he actually does appear to be striking people out, Hector Santiago, which is a good, I mean, that's the best kind of skill a pitcher can have. Yes, yeah, his his, his caper nine's uh, over 13. So he's been striking people out in a few uh, appearances that he's had. Right, and one would assume also as a screwball pitcher, and one of the, I think maybe uh, when Daniel Ray Herrera is not in the major leagues, maybe the only screwball pitcher, that, that his uh, platoon split uh, would not be as exaggerated as a lot of other uh, pitchers would. You'd think. I don't exactly know what the platoon split is offhand. Well, we don't, yeah, I mean, in whatever we have right now, it's not going to be representative of his true talent, one assumes. But, um, yeah, it's strange. You know who else I saw pitch today on that, or yesterday, on that same White Sox team um, was Nate Jones. Um, Nate Jones, uh, whose name, again, totally unfamiliar to me and is kind of buried at the back of the um, of the Baseball America's prospect list for for the White Sox. Nate Jones showing a fastball um, with pretty excellent um, arm side movement at, like, 97 to 99, and then a great curveball. His problem in the minor leagues has been throwing strikes, but he was doing that yesterday. Have you had an opportunity to see Nate Jones yet? I haven't seen him. I mean, the first time I saw Nate Jones uh, get mentioned anywhere was actually in, in Swick's piece uh, about who was going to close in Chicago. Uh, other than that, I just knew that he – I knew they had kind of fiddled around with him starting games and, and, uh, and then not starting games, and I uh, – just a cursory glance at his stats. He looked like he had the ability to strike people out as a reliever, not so much as a starter, and yeah, control problems. So I kind of, I kind of wrote him off when I saw all the control problems. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, he's got to be in the mix uh, if things go go south for Santiago. Um, and in fact, you know, if Ventura is the kind of guy that likes to keep, you know, if he wants Reed and and Thornton to be in the in the seventh and eighth inning roles, then who knows? Maybe Nate Jones has more value than I think. Yeah, it, it is it is certainly a strange situation. And then also uh, recently the team has uh, recalled Zach Stewart, um, who I think they got maybe from the Blue Jays at some point last year. Um, Zach Stewart was a pitcher with good minor league numbers, um, but uh, maybe with not as much stuff. But, of course, that's likely going to play up from the minor leagues. So I guess the point is they have a bunch of guys in their bullpen and none of them are sort of like um, pure closers, with the exception you think maybe if Addison Reed has that kind of pedigree. So yeah. it, anything could happen with that bullpen. Yes, I would agree with that. And I, mixing in just not knowing what Ventura is thinking or what he, you know, what his history of of choosing closers looks like, um, it's really anyone's guess. I mean, I think the the best. I, I would agree with what most people have said. I think that, that uh, Addison Reed would probably close at some point, um, but I don't know if we're just waiting for all the other options to implode. Uh, and I don't know if that will happen. But, um, you know, in a lot of leagues, it's worth owning Reed anyway because he's going to have such great uh, such great stats. I mean, he'll have, you know, a good ERA and whip and strikeouts and all that. But, uh, you know, stashing him away, just hoping that he's going to close games, I think is kind of a tough tough thing to do with limited rosters. Uh, um, on the, the subject of closers, which d- does seem to sort of not dominate, but it, it, it's it's always something. It's a it's a source of 
I guess, anxiety, but also it can be it can be a great advantage um, for fantasy owners too, because if you can happen, you know, uh, find your way into owning a closer or maybe a guy who's on the precipice of closing, it could be an advantage for you. Uh, one other curious case came up last week, maybe the, even the week before on this podcast, is Fernando Rodney. He uh, he did something. I actually didn't see the game, but I did. I did come across a GIF of him falling all over the baseball field. <laughs> Uh, what, hap- what, what happened with that? I just decided that I would use it to my own nefarious ends, but I don't understand what happened. I don't un- understand what happened beyond watching the uh, the wonderful little gift that you threw on uh, Notgrass. So this um, is totally informative for our home audience, is what you're saying? Yes. Well, okay. it's informative that they should go and look at your post, because I laughed several, several times uh, watching him fumble around like an idiot. What's what's Fernando Rodney's? Because at certain points, um, I mean, you know, we don't have much to work with. But anytime Fernando Rodney looks barely hittable, that's an achievement, and he has looked barely hittable at some points. But he's still Fernando Rodney. How are you sort of treating Fernando Rodney at this point in your leagues? Uh, I don't want to come anywhere near Fernando Rodney. Um, in fact, I actually I own Kyle Farnsworth in one league, and I'm I'm sitting on him, hoping that he's going to return. Um, but I just, I've never been a Rodney fan. I didn't like him when he was with the Tigers and I liked him even less when he was with the Angels. Um, but the fact is, I think he's got already four saves. So, you know, there's, there's your, <laughs> there's closers in a nutshell right there. He's got an ERA under two and four saves. So anybody can close games. You just need the job. Now, but, um, the, with the fact but, that he's kind of sort of Tampa Bay Rays approved, does that change your mindset about Fernando Rodney? No. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know, others would be far more informed on the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, process, but I, I could see them turning to Joel Peralta or, uh, who's the other kid, McGee. Jake McGee. Um, yeah, yeah, in just about, in just about any situation, even if Rodney, say, like, pitched for two consecutive days, I could see them going to somebody else or something, you know, I just don't see Rodney as any kind of a long-term answer there and in fact if i owned him i'd be actively shopping him okay uh another closer uh, perhaps of some no now is is uh, jj puts um you know at this time of season um one of the things we have becoming reliable um, one of the stats we have or sort of numbers we have that's becoming reliable rather quickly uh is velocity so that's you know so if we're making decisions about players um whether from an analysis point of view or from a fantasy point of view uh, velocity is a, is one of those first sort of numbers we can use. Um, in Arizona, JJ puts uh, his velocity is down. Um, is that affecting his performance? And and um, what will the closing situation look like for the Diamondbacks? Do you think going forward? Yeah, you know, usually if, if there's down a tick in velocity in in April, I mean, I I think there's research out there that you know shows that pitchers tend their velocity tends to go up um, during the course of the season. But for some reason, it just struck me with puts because he's been pretty consistent over the last, uh, at least the last three years with his velocity at around 93, 94 miles an hour. And right now he's at 90.8, which is a really big dip for him. And, you know, he has had a uh, you know, history of, of arm troubles and shoulder troubles and back troubles, I think. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, his effectiveness has been fine. He's getting swinging strikes. Um, you know, he's, he hasn't had the greatest 
the greatest results in terms of of ERA, but he's he's getting the job done there. He's got he's got four saves and he's striking people out. But that's kind of less the point. It's more that is there something wrong there, and is it just kind of a uh, is he likely to be hurt and and hurt soon? So if the prospectors out there might want to grab David Hernandez or um, I think Brian. I think they've actually gone to Brian Shaw for a save uh, already, but. Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I, I think uh, Brian Shaw got an opportunity to win both. I think both Puts and um, Hernandez at one point had pitched back-to-back games, um, which gave Shaw. I mean, Hernandez is a very interesting pitcher. He, uh, I remember him as a as a starter, a right-handed starter in the Orioles system, who in consecutive yeah. seasons led, I think, like either his league or level or maybe all the minor leagues in strikeouts. But it didn't really. Um, he wasn't really able to carry that over into major league success, uh, probably from lack of a third pitch. But that hasn't really mattered for him in the in the bullpen as much. Yeah, and I think uh, what? Yeah, last year uh, Hernandez filled in um, and and was was quite good uh, in the in the closer role. So uh, most people, when they do their their depth charts or whatever for closers, he's usually the second guy in line. Um, yeah, I'd have to believe that's who they'd go to if if uh, if Puts got hurt. Um, you know, this is not to say that Puts is hurt. Maybe he comes out today or tomorrow and and he's he's throwing 94 miles an hour again and and he's he's fine. But uh, it's just it was one of those those stats when I was kind of cruising through uh, the Fangraphs pages that really, it jumped out at me because it was just such a huge difference. Now another thing that's uh, going on and uh, it's happened in Arizona with with Chris Young and actually some other players and uh, it's also happened in uh, St. Louis as we're seeing injuries to to um, to to major players um, in the middle of of teams lineups and in St. Louis it happened to Lance Berkman uh, I think you actually have a piece that's that's going live as we speak uh, up at the in the pages of Rotographs but uh, I'd like to address it here um, you're sort of curious about how um, the Cardinals are handling uh, an injury to Berkman, and it looks like they're going to, to Matt Carpenter and kind of uh, throwing him right into the to the thick of the lineup there. First of all, what's what's wrong with Berkman, and, and what's Carpenter going to do? Uh, well, Berkman's old uh, and often hurt. I, I actually made the mistake of drafting him this year. I, uh, my well, a good friend of mine likes to remind me that I, I once said, I think it was last year, that Lance Berkman's finished, and then he went out and had an all-star year. <laughs> and so I go out and draft him this year, and of course he's going to be hurt all year. But uh, It's this calf thing that he's got. He sat out a few days with it, and then he came back and proceeded to try to steal a base. I think it was on a double steal. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, what what the hell are you doing stealing a base if you've got the, if you're nursing this calf problem? And then immediately he goes on the DL the next the next day. So I don't know. This is he's apparently had this injury in the past, and and uh, it's something that that uh, will probably it'll probably dog him all year uh, unless they really give it the, the time to to heal. But Matt Carpenter's not really that interesting. Uh, but what what I do find interesting about him is they've got him. So far, they've got him hitting fifth, and he's hitting behind Holiday and, and, and uh, Beltran, and that's a pretty nice place to be. Uh, and it's really no surprise he's already got 11 RBI, and uh, his ownership rate is really low. I think it was 10% in Yahoo, and, and it was uh, like I think it was less than 5% in ESPN. So he's out there if you're looking for RBIs. Um, but you know his his minor league record suggests that he's you know, maybe got the ability to hit 10 home runs over the course of a full season. So 
little bit of pop in his bat. He's got a little bit of speed. Um, he's got a history of hitting for pretty good average in, in the minors. Um, you know, he's not going to win your fantasy baseball league, but uh, he also qualifies at third, so it's kind of a nice option to have over there if you if you have a need. Right, and third base is a – although I, I guess it's uh, – well, I'll ask you. Is it, um, I know third base was very weak last year, but it seems like I'm thinking like David Wright's having a very good start to a season, Evan Longoria. Is third base a little bit stronger, does it seem, this year, or is it equally weak? That's a tough question. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I would say it was miserable last year, and and perhaps it's just bad this year. Uh, I don't know. I when I start um, when I start digging around for for options at third base, it just gets it gets so ugly so fast. Uh, and then you've got guys like you know Alex Rodriguez is not playing well. Kevin Euclid is not playing well. Uh, Aramis Ramirez is, is not playing well. Um, but yeah, I mean, David Wright's playing outstanding, which is, I'm really surprised by after the, whatever it was, the oblique injury, which is what, what sidelined Zimmerman. Um, but you know, um, Sandoval's playing well. Uh, Freeze is probably playing above his head. So there are probably better, better options right now than there were at this time last year. But, uh, I don't, you know, third base always, always really concerns me if I run into an injury on my own team because there's just not anything available usually on the waiver wire. Hey, hey, here's a question also, too, with regard to Berkman. Uh, you mentioned that Carpenter is getting the bulk of the playing time there. Uh, w- one of their top prospects or top position prospects, uh, and he's a little bit older maybe, um, and he doesn't have a lot of defensive flexibility, um, but he does have a bat, is, is Matt Adams. Uh, he was in you know the top ten in most lists you saw come out this uh, preseason. Uh, do you have any sense, um, and I should also say, if you don't know, you should feel very free, to, uh, very comfortable saying you don't know because um, ignorance is the sort of norm uh, on Fangraphs Audio. But um, what uh, what are the chances that you could see the Cardinals going towards uh, Matt Adams, who uh, it appears as though has gotten off to a pretty decent, if um, perhaps batted ball-fueled start uh, at uh, AAA Memphis? Yeah, you know, uh, well, first of all, I'll say I don't know, um, but I, I know of him. Um, I was actually a little surprised when they went to, uh, when they went to Carpenter instead of Adams. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really not the, the kind of guy that can make predictions about, you know, when people are going to get called up, but I think he hit, what, he hit over 30 home runs at, at double A last year. He's, from what I've seen, just kind of, uh, up up on Twitter and such that he's he's mashing the ball at Triple A, um, you know yeah I don't think there's really any question that that uh, that he can hit. Um, I would say you know if Matt Carpenter can't in, endear himself uh, you know to uh, to the Cardinal faithful, it perhaps they just send him right back down because um, there's not a whole lot that's you know he's not a real special player. Uh, where maybe Matt Adams is. Um, but if the Cardinals continue winning baseball games, then this, maybe it's just not going to be a concern. But if they're having problems scoring runs, then maybe they'll turn to a guy like Matt Adams that's obviously got more power. Uh, and another player I mentioned already is uh, is Chris Young, who was really hitting the ball well before going down with an injury um, earlier this week. Uh, Chris Young's, uh, I guess, departure from the lineup there um, – will provide some opportunities in 
uh, in Arizona, but I'm, I'm curious as to who do you think is, is going to benefit greatest from those opportunities. We see Matt Carpenter jumping right into the middle of the Cardinals lineup. Is there an equivalent in Arizona, or is it going to be a little bit more of a patchwork solution? Well, it's probably patchwork. Um, but uh, what, it's Gerardo Parra and, and Jason Kubel. Um, but what's been interesting is they've been using um, A.J. Pollock, who I, quite frankly, had absolutely no idea who he was until I saw him in the lineup. Um, they've been using him at the top of the order. Uh, he stole, I think, uh, I just wrote him up, so I should remember this, 36 bags last year over a pretty full season. So he's got, he's got good speed. Uh, it's probably not, um, you know, Juan Pierre speed. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't have any power to speak of. He's got decent speed. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that he's going to be any kind of a long-term solution. And as soon as Upton gets back into the lineup, I, I guess it'll be interesting to see who Gibson decides to, to go to. Um, it could just be that they go with the hot hand who right now it's not Pollock. So I don't think he's gotten a hit in, in any of his, uh, any of the starts there, yeah. But, uh, but he's kind of a name that emerges. It's also this sort of curious thing in in Arizona. There are, um, you know, we're talking about the sort of guys who could be replacing Berkman. Arizona, and in particular, before the departure of um, of Colin Calgill to Oakland in the the deal that saw Trevor Cahill going the other way, um, it does seem as though Arizona is kind of stocking up or has a a sort of uh, um, a collection of these kind of tweener-ish outfielders. Pollock's one mentioned uh, Calgill already, who's in uh, Oakland, and um, and then there's also another another player, Adam Eaton, uh, not the former pitcher, um, but Adam Eaton, who's another player who has um, maybe what you'd call, and, and I'm stealing this directly from John Sickles at minor league ball, a sort of David DeJesus skill set, which is. Uh, he can play center, but he's not really a center fielder. Um, he can hit, but he's not really a home run hitter, or you know, like what you think of as like a typical run producer. So there's sort of tweeners, and I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe like uh, when you think of like a David DeJesus sort, are, are those guys who fall through the cracks in fantasy baseball, or do they have uses? Well, first of all, did you read the did you read the story that that Adam Eaton was mistakenly delivered a some kind of. Uh, he was mistakenly delivered some huge check that was intended for the Adam Eaton, the pitcher. That sounds – oh, tell us more. That sounds like a great – I'm going to change my name to something important now. Maybe Albert Pujols, Sestouli, you know. I guess it was uh, it was like some $20,000 revenue-sharing check. or I don't know I don't know if it was revenue-sharing or whatever. Uh, but, um, yeah, he was quite disappointed when he discovered it wasn't meant for him. Uh, yeah, what's the process but, there? Did I mean, I guess he told somebody. Well, I think he's probably just got to check $20,000 or whatever amount it was. I saw this on, it was, it came, popped up on some news feed that I had and uh, I got a kick out of it. Uh, cause I, I follow Adam, Adam Eaton's career, the, the elder that is, because he actually, uh, he grew up, uh, very near where I grew up and, uh, it turned out that he was a lot better pitcher than me. Um, but not so, not such, such a great major league pitcher though, unfortunately. But, uh, back to your point, the, the David DeJesus kind of, prototype and i think it just depends a lot on the, the league format that you're in i mean if it's league specific then he's probably pretty valuable but if you're in a 10 team league that is you know 
not doing linear weights and for points or something, he's, he's pretty irrelevant because there's just he's just not special enough in any particular category that'll that'll uh, that'll make him worth a roster spot. We're talking about uh, some players here who've been injured and in, in looking at their replacements. Uh, one player who who we haven't seen uh, sort of have any fantasy value, um, perhaps until recently, um, is Justin Morneau. Of course, you know, uh, dealing with consecutive <coughs> concussions and, and the sort of, uh, you know, the mysterious uh, side effects that come with concussions and, and mysterious both in, in how they manifest themselves and also how long they'll last. But he actually appears to maybe be good again um, and has put up some decent numbers uh, are you? Um, do you have confidence in Justin Morneau, or are you going after him in fantasy leagues, or do you feel like owners are hanging on to him because he might become something? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, before before he hit before he hit those two home runs in New York, I mean, things were not looking very good uh, for Morneau. In fact, his line was looking a heck of a lot like it looked last year. Uh, so, <laughs> what a difference a day makes. Uh, he goes out and he smashes two home runs and, and suddenly, you know, uh, it looks like he's going to be okay. So I, I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, the, the one thing that I noticed about uh, Morneau right now is that, um, and I think it was the, the research by that we've got on, on the, the site by Pizza Cutter that said uh, that, that K-rate actually stabilizes to a, to a, a 70% reliability rate over... 40 plate appearances or something like that. Am I correct? Yeah, it's a, uh, I think it's, uh, it might be a little bit more than that, but it is it is one of the the uh, furthest things or one of the quickest things to, to become reliable. Well, he his career his career strikeout rate is about 15. percent um, You know, it's gone up and down over his career, but he's striking out at 25 and a half percent right now, and so uh, in his swinging strike rate is something like close to 15 percent. I think I can go quickly on my computer here real quick. Uh, yeah, 14.6, and his career swing strike rate is 9.5. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I I can't say that, that that means that he can't see the ball or he's having a difficult time picking up the ball or, or whatever was affecting him from the from the concussion that was making it so hard for him to make decent contact. But, you know, I think there's still some concern with his K rate and his, his swing strike rate. Um and if those two home runs from New York weren't there the other day, he, he would not be looking like a very good hitter right now. Um, but I'll t- I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of like the head over the heart. Uh, I really hope he puts it together because it's, it's just kind of a tragic story. But from a fantasy baseball perspective, if I owned him, I'd probably be kind of shopping him around to see if anybody else is, is buying that he's back. Um, you know, and if he is, if he's truly back. He, he was an, he was a fantastic hitter when he was in his prime, uh, but I I don't know I'm not comfortable saying yeah he's back or no he's cooked. Uh, so Justin Morneau uh, for me represents uh, recently has represented more than um, just a possible pickup in in fantasy. Um, I tried to um, I tried recently to um, win an auction for him. I you know I I'm, uh, I started the auction for him in the Fangraphs. Autonew League, uh, number one, with the Fangraphs writers. I started the auction for him with the idea that maybe I could sort of sneak him through. Uh, and, and it, you know, especially uh, these auctions with these guys, I'll start like uh, in the middle of the night. Um, so perhaps, uh, you know, they don't receive the email for the auction having been started till 
you know, to the morning, and it's kind of in a clutter of other emails, and uh, that they'll have to sort through. Um, but and this appeals more maybe to or concerns more sort of conceptual underpinnings of, of fantasy stuff, um, maybe game theory um, type stuff. I uh, I lost the the auction uh, for Justin Morneau. I think you know I don't think I was going to spend more than three dollars on him. Um, and I've lost a number of other auctions recently. Uh, I started one for James Paxton, um, a pitcher who, in the Seattle Mariners organization, who might not be the first called up in the event that that the major league team needs uh, started out. Might be Danny Holson, uh, but Paxton's uh, pitching very well so far in the minors. I lost out on Ruby De La Rosa, um, who I who is supposed to be coming back uh, July sometime. Um, but had excellent velocity and, uh, and decent numbers before he got injured last year. Um, and now I have uh, Drew Hutchinson um, that I, I just started an auction for him last night. He's going to become – we can talk about him maybe briefly. But I'm curious if you had anything, um, a- any tips for someone who's losing a lot of his auto new auctions. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I suppose the one the one strategy could be just to bid more um, – <laughs> but it's but what's peculiar to me is that these players are not being nominated. I happen to be nominating them, and then I'm losing the auction. So um, whoever it is, my you know the owners, the other owners of my league, don't think about bidding on these players, but then they're outbidding me for them. I mean, besides until you bring them to their attention, right? It's really, well, your own fault. It is sort of my fault, but like I mean, besides physically hurting and disabling. Uh, the other owners in this league. I mean, you know, I could do that to maybe Zach Sanders. I think I could take Zach Sanders. But I don't know if you see Mike Exisa. I mean, he's a strong man. He's a big, strong man. I'm not really in a position to hurt him physically. Is there anything else I can do to to somehow slip these players and, and these auctions by? Because I know as soon as I started this damn Drew Hutchinson auction last night, Zach Sanders <laughs> tweets it out. So not only does he know, but now everyone else in my league um, – uh, so basically what I'm saying is I'm disgruntled and I need some help. I I I I, uh, I just can't get the image of you trying to take on Exisa. Physically. No, we it's not going to work. We should have some fantasy baseball grudge match and stick you guys in the, in the ring. I, I, I would pay $100 to see that. Uh, I don't, uh, <clears throat> don't. I mean, if I got all of those $100, then I might consider it. But you might dance around the ring a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I can last around maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, so uh, yeah, it's unfortunate you're not doing these auctions in the same room because you could always take the you know Ferris approach and just try to uh, you know get everybody to drink too much beer. Right. Of course, that also, as we've seen from actually you know Ferris using that approach, that, that can backfire pretty quickly. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, anytime you you involve bacon beer. Um, Something's bound to go wrong, right? You know, I think that uh, you could you could send your fellow managers, say, uh, you know, fifteen videos of Louis C.K. Oh, I so see. They're, they're they're tied up uh, watching, you know, laughing at this guy for for an hour and a half, and and, and maybe they forget about the auction. The auction, uh, yeah. You uh, could send them porn. Whoa. Like of myself? No, <laughs> no. Uh, well, you know, because <laughs> that would if, uh, that might also be there certainly a, could be some that yeah, it, it might burn their eyes and, right. and therefore they would not know what to bid. And there might be legal repercussions, though. That's the only thing I'm concerned about there. I'm not sure if it's worth it to that degree for me. But it's just curious. I guess I guess the point is that 
my owners, to some degree, um, especially in the case of Morneau, Morneau was sitting there, and it was, I guess it was curious. Maybe he got cut at some point. I don't necessarily know what the story was him, with him. But at some point, he was on uh, the waiver wire. He's available. I start the auction for him. I say, well, no one wants him. So if I bid $3, then my chances of getting him for, at the most, you know, three, I think are, are pretty decent. And yet I lose on him. I think I lose him if someone bids $4. Uh, I, I guess what is going on there, and how do, how do I uh, vanquish my opponents in this particular case? Uh, well, I don't have the answer for you. But I think what's going on is, is, you know, probably half the league has their eyes on the same players. And, uh, when, you know, you're throwing them up there and, and, and somebody just, you know, it's, it, then it's go time because if you either put up or, or shut up if you really want Justin more, no. So, I mean, and quite frankly, you might come out of that better for not have for not owning him. Uh, so. But uh, yeah, I I, uh, I really feel bad for you. Um, but I, I don't. No, you have don't. Any you don't feel bad for me. I know your person was a little um, sympathy inside of you. But that, that wasn't that, that. didn't sound sincere. No, it didn't. But let me ask you. Uh, Drew Hutchison is gonna. Um, he is a prospect. One of the one of many actually pitching prospects in the Toronto organization. Um, um, it looks like he's going to be called up and be starting for the Blue Jays on Saturday. Uh, so tomorrow, as as we speak. What are, um, you know, how, I guess, what do you like about Hutchinson or what do you, what do you think his numbers will look like as a major leaguer? And then, um, I guess partially based on that, um, how much do you think it'll take to win him in this, in this auto new auction? You know, I'm not familiar with, uh, the auto new auctions very, uh, very much. I know that, uh, uh, I have a suspicion that, uh, since you all know your prospects more than your average uh, bear, um, it'll probably go for more than. Well, what did Paxton go for? Well, I don't know. I mean, I probably wouldn't have bid more than two or three on Paxton just because. First of all, um, I mean, he's good, but he's not in the majors right now. Um, yeah. And and second of all, there are always pitching prospects. You know, that's I guess that's yeah. kind of my approach. To, in auto new, uh, I spend almost nothing on on pitchers. Um, because they're everywhere, and you know you can get guys who have um, uh, breakthroughs. It seems like with much more frequency uh, than you do hitters. So I just kind of throw mm-hmm. auctions up there for for young pitchers. You know, two dollars. I, I mean, I did recently win the auction for Joe Wheeland. Um, I think uh, for two dollars. And uh, after you know he had a, he had a poor first start, um, but he also pitched last night. Pitched pretty well against the Phillies, um, and you know. Between his his actual true talent and then that combined with um, the San Diego Park uh, Peco, you know I like that. I don't mind that move, and and, and maybe that's just it. Maybe there's just going to be a certain amount of uh, auctions I'm going to lose at this rate, but there'll be some that I win, and and those are the pitchers I get. Um, but yeah, maybe Hutchison, you know, uh, two or three dollars at this point, especially with the fact that he's going to be starting, and is probably even a little bit more well known. Then Wheeland, I, I don't necessarily like my chances to win him, and I don't think I'm going to bid more than two dollars. Yeah, I I think that's it's uh, good advice you just gave yourself. You know, it helps. You know, it's kind of like a um, sitting with a therapist, though. You know, because uh, it maybe the answer's inside of me, but I had to I had to say it out loud to someone um, to understand what I think about it. Well, these are billable hours, uh, and I don't know if we talked about rate, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad I can help. 
Michael Barr, uh, for a number of reasons, but mostly um, so that both of us can preserve what little dignity we have, um, I'm going to end this this podcast. Okay. Um, but it's been it's been great, and uh, I, w- I will say um, on a uh, truly touching and uh, moment of real talk, uh, it was uh, it was nice to meet you in Arizona recently, and uh, you know hope uh, hope to spend some time with you again. Yeah, hopefully we're we're both around a year from now. We can go back down there and act like idiots. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, as opposed to just acting like idiots in our respective hometowns, I assume is what you mean. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for joining us. I'm going to invite you uh, to stick around um, um, after I, I hit stop here um, so we can have some uh, tea and conversation. Very good. Yeah, all right. Uh, but uh, that is uh, Rotographs contributor uh, Michael Barr. I am and will continue to be Carson Stooley. This has been a White Hot Fantasy edition of Fangraphs Audio.